Welcome to the SYA podcast, giving you teachings from the young adult ministry of Shepherd Church, where it is our mission to lift up Christ that the world might believe. We meet every Thursday at Shepherd Church in Porter Ranch. For more info, go to wearesya.com. I'm so glad to be with you guys. I miss all of your faces. Um, So let's get to it. Today we are getting into the Lord's Prayer, which most of us are familiar with. Maybe you said it every night with your family before going to bed, or you've heard family members or a pastor reference it before. Either way, it's safe to say you've heard the prayer, (coughs) but this prayer is actually a teaching. And it's a teaching within a teaching, actually. So it's really important that you know this. Jesus is talking to a group of people on a mountainside. So picture it in your mind's eye. This is what I do when I read the Gospels. I picture it in my mind's eye so that I remind myself this actually happened. This isn't like a fable. It happened. So picture it in your mind's eye. Jesus is talking to a group of people on a mountainside. And we know this because if we read just a chapter before this, we see that this is Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus preached a sermon. If you didn't know, it's the most important sermon of the world, like the one that you should retweet and repost and quote for days. This is the sermon you should know. We should know this sermon. So in this sermon, before getting to his section on prayer, he's talking about life as the people know it and life as it should be and is in the kingdom of God. So if you read it, you'll see that Jesus had a way of taking the law of God and getting to the heart of God behind the law. In fact, Colossians says that it is Jesus who came to reveal to us the heart of God. So Jesus had just finished saying stuff like, okay, if you even hate your brother, it's murder in your heart. You just finished saying stuff like, if you even look lustfully at a woman, it's adultery. Or, okay, you love your neighbor and hate your enemy, so what? I tell you to pray for your enemies and love them. So he's taking the law that these people religiously followed, hoping to gain acceptance and love from God, and he's getting to the heart of God behind the law. And then we come to this teaching on prayer. And Dusty talked about it in his podcast last week, which if you haven't listened to it, you need to go listen to it. It may have made me cry. I do cry a lot, Dusty, so not too many kudos, but it's amazing. So go listen to his intro on this series about prayer. But basically what it sums itself down to is Jesus is teaching us how to pray, not what to pray which I know is a little counter of what maybe we are familiar with because we say it kind of like it's a ritual or we say it kind of like it's, I don't know, like going to give us magical powers. But no, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And Jesus, being the son of God, is very intentional about his words. And he so beautifully begins by saying in Matthew 6, this then is how you should pray our father in heaven. And we stop. We're not going to move past that line today. And I know you might be like, what, Adri, this is a whole sermon. It is because those two sections are enough. So we got to take it by part one, our 
Father. What I love is that Jesus could have began this prayer anyway. Like, think about it. He could have called on many other names of God. But he intentionally said, our Father. Like, right there, Jesus has revealed to us the heart of God. He has revealed to us that God desires for us to come to him as his children first, not as his workers, right? Not as his servants, not as his worship leader or his missionary or his evangelist or his pastor or his religious churchgoer. No, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. He's teaching us how to approach God. And he says, come as a child of God. So how does a child approach a good father? I would think that they come in complete safety and joy and anticipation of something good. I can imagine that. And I say imagine because I don't really know what it's like. And I'd like to address that some of us have a hard time getting past the first two words of this prayer, right? Our father. The reality is more than 20 million children live in a home without the physical presence of a father today. Like millions more have dads who are physically present but emotionally absent. And that equates to one in every three children in the United States not having access to their father. Guys, if it were classified as a disease, fatherlessness would be an epidemic worthy of attention as a national emergency. And I know that by the sheer number of people in this Zoom tonight, the reality is a lot of us are affected. Like maybe our, father, our fathers weren't absent, but they were absent emotionally to us in some ways. So let's address the elephant in the room. Jesus is revealing to us the heart of God as our father, but how are we supposed to come to God as our father if we didn't have the best example? I was honestly, guys, honored to preach this message for you all. And I was texting Dusty about it last week, freaking out about it, crying, because that's how I do. Because if there is any miracle that God has done in my life, this is the one. Like, this, if there's anything that I'm going to shout from the top of a mountain, it's this one. Some of you guys may know my story, but I have experienced significant fatherlessness. My father passed away of leukemia when I was two. His name was Ernesto and my mom remarried and I got a dad and he was good and kind and fun. But then as many of us have experienced, unfortunately they separated. And that was a significant loss for me. That was a loss of safety. It was a loss of stability. It was a loss of love. And it wasn't a clean break either, like they rarely are. And I became estranged to the concept of father. Like it became a term that I chose to ignore. It was a term that some got, but for whatever turn of fate, I did not. Father was a term of, of pain and of fantasy. And if you've been through this, you know, like growing up, you'd look at people with dads and you'd like wonder what it felt like, like, how your life would have been different or how you might have been shaped, secured and protected and adored differently. 
And I've known Jesus since I was really young. And the Holy Spirit was near to me in all of these thoughts and tears and, and questioning. But I didn't know how to approach God as Father. And honestly, I didn't even know where to begin. And pastors weren't preaching it. I was like <laughs> at a loss for words. But then there's this verse in Matthew 7. It's beautiful. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I love that because there's no questions. Like it will be opened. So I came to this place of desperation with the Lord, where I wanted to know him as father more than anything else in the world, because that's kind of the way that God works, I've come to find, is he's beautifully addictive. Like, he's enough, and I'm satisfied, and yet I want more of his goodness all the time. And so I came to a point of FOMO in my faith, and I didn't want to miss out on any part of his goodness and I was willing to do anything so I dared to ask I dared to ask and I sought just like that verse said I didn't ask and then sit on my hands I searched earnestly I read scripture daily I prayed fervently and then I just kept my eyes open and dared to believe that the God of the universe wanted to speak to me and wanted to reveal himself to me in any and every form, in nature, in verses, in people, in songs, in dreams, in prophetic words, whatever it was, I was like, he's going to speak to me. I know he is. You know, you know how when you're interested in a car and then suddenly you see it everywhere you go, you're driving down the street and all of a sudden it's not unique anymore and you don't want to buy it. That's how I believe that the Holy Spirit works. Seek and you will find him. Why? Because he's always been there. And he is there in every moment, in every breath, wanting to commune with you. You just need to open your eyes and look for him. And know this too. God is desperately looking for you as well. In 2 Chronicles 16, a prophet says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I love pulling other translations. They say that the Lord is searching the earth, that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for people who are committed to him just so that he would strengthen them. So while you search desperately for God as father, if that's where you're at, know that he is seeking desperately for you too. And if you want to experience God as father, one, dare to ask, dare to ask God. Two, seek it out actively. Knock and the door will be opened. Three, believe that God is seeking you out too. Honestly, it took a long time for me to know God as father. It wasn't overnight or even months or like weeks. It took basically my whole life. 
Why? Because I was learning God as father. Like we have to think about this logically. When a child is adopted into a family, how automatically do they identify their new parents in their hearts as their actual parents? Like any adoptive parent will tell you that it took time to build that relationship and to show that child, I'm not going to leave you like the others. I will love you no matter what. You are safe with me. So we are learning God in this way. And it's okay that it's a journey as it should be because you're learning God as father. And over the years, God showed me that my identification of him as my father was dependent upon a few things from me. I needed to know some things. I needed to, run, to surrender some things. So I wanted to share those things with you and I hope that they encourage you. Some things that I needed to know about God as my father. First, I needed to forgive my earthly father. I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't tell you that not letting God heal the father wound would hinder you from experiencing him fully as your father. How can God heal you of something and meet you at a place that you won't let him into? There is liberation waiting for you on the other side of your forgiveness. You are the one that needs to be set free, not that person. So if you don't know where to start, if you don't know where to begin, you can start where I did. I got advice from a kind of cool guy named Dusty to pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. So simple. In the best sermon in the whole world, taught by the best person in the whole universe, Jesus Christ, pray for your enemies. The Holy Spirit will change your heart. Do it out of obedience, not based on what you're feeling. And that's how I started, 16 years old. I didn't want to be held anymore by unforgiveness. I didn't want to feel what I was feeling anymore because I knew that my stepdad wasn't feeling any of that. I was the only one being held back from experiencing God as my father. And so I prayed obediently every night, crying myself to sleep. And then I saw the Holy Spirit change my heart over the months to come and obediently kept stepping and listening to whatever the Holy Spirit told me to do with my stepdad. Forgive your fathers. Two, you don't need to earn God's love. I had to learn that I didn't need to earn God's love. I don't know where this lie creeps into our minds. Maybe it's culture because we earn everything else, so surely we need to earn love as well. But any parent knows that nothing a child does, there's nothing that a child can do to earn their love. Like they just love them because they're theirs. So don't go into this journey thinking, if I'm going to learn God as father, I need to earn his love as my father. You'll have missed the essence of a father's heart because you can't earn what is freely given. Three, I had to start living as if he was a good father, whether I really believed it or not, which this is where it gets a little dicey. Faith is action. James tells us, Faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. So I hear a lot of people, and I say a lot of young people, but that's because I work with the young people. I hear a lot of people say, well, I don't feel God in that way. 
or I'm not feeling God right now, or I don't feel compelled to love or to serve or to this or to that. And I see that we're so motivated by feeling that it cripples our relationship with God. Like how else do you grow in relationship other than trust? Because we do it with people that in our life who are like right there next to us. Try it out. Try God out. Test him in this. Watch himself prove that he is faithful in his goodness to you. Live in anticipation that he's going to be good. For me, it was realizing that a father protects like for someone maybe who grew up with a dad that's like second nature they know that a father protects but I've kind of like lived with this like burden on my shoulder that I can handle it and I if I have to I'll take care of it and I know that sometimes my reaction is that and even now I'll live with what's the word backup plans if God doesn't come through And God had to show me time and time again that he protects. That when he said no, it was because of this, because he was protecting. A father protects, so he deserves our trust. And then I had to learn that a father gives good gifts. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So like in the midst of my Lord, reveal yourself to me as father, please begging every day, praying and reading scripture. I came across this verse and I felt in my spirit, God wants to give me good gifts. And I was like, that's weird. You know, when God talks to you and you're not sure if it's God. And so you're like shrugging it off. Like, that's a strange thought. And you continue with your day. I did one of those. And I was walking down the day. I kid you not. I'm not lying. I got a lot of free stuff that day. And every time it happened, I was like, that's weird. (laughs) That's just a coincidence. It's so strange. And it kept happening. And one of them was a cookie. Yes, Lord. And I was like, what is happening? Like I was, and I, but I was aware I knew the Holy Spirit enough. I was like, okay, you're confirming things, but I still don't understand it. Like there is something within my spirit that I still don't grasp that you want to give me good gifts. Like why? And so I kept praying. I kept praying, God, reveal it to me, reveal it to me. This is so foreign. I want to know you in this way. And so in order to tell this next story, I have to tell this backup story. Back in high school, my best friend she would tell me the story about her family every Christmas. At Christmas time, they would open their gifts around the tree. And when they were done opening every gift, their dad would get up with a huge smile on his face and he would run upstairs and a hush of anticipation would fall in the room because it was time for daddy gifts. That's what they called it. They called it daddy gifts. And he would come down the stairs with the most extravagant gifts for every person. And I knew because all of us were extremely jealous about the concerts and the trips. But honestly, my friend would go on and on about how the real gift was the joy on his face as he would give them the concert or the trip. And that picture stayed with me that my friend had painted while I was growing up in high school because it just felt significant like significantly beautiful. 
So fast forward, I prayed like, I'm like, God, I don't understand good gifts. I don't understand that you want to give me good gifts. I'm sitting at my desk and I got an email that I was contacted by a conference organization that I'd always admired and I dreamed of being a part of, but I hadn't put my name in because I never thought that I'd have any opportunity to do anything like that. And they emailed me because they wanted me to speak for them. And this moment in my office, like I, I wish I could explain it to you, is like one of the happiest memories. Oh my gosh, I'm going to cry. <clears throat> because it came totally out of left field. Like I didn't try. I didn't put my name in for it. I hadn't done anything for it. I was so excited. I was so shocked. I hadn't told anyone that I even wanted it that bad because you speak into existence and it might not happen. And so I started jumping up and down and I was smiling so big that my face hurt. You know, when you smile so big, your face kind of hurts. And I prayed to God and I was like, why? Like, how, why would you? I was so just like flabbergasted. And I felt in my spirit that he said this phrase, this is my daddy gift. I had not remembered my friend's thing before that moment. And all of a sudden, the memory of her dad coming down the stairs and that description flooded my mind. And I began to weep because I finally got this picture. I knew that as happy as I was, he was happier to give it to me to see me that joyful and that ecstatic because he loved me and because he adored me. And it was his gift to give. A father gives good gifts. And five, I had to learn that I don't have to restore the lost relationship of father. God does that. God does that. I would pressure myself throughout the whole process. And even now, um, and I'm constantly remembered by the Spirit of God that we surrender, we seek, we draw near, we are obedient, and we trust God at his word, and he will do the work. He will heal. He will restore. He will reveal his nature to you over time. So dare to pray that prayer for God to reveal himself to you as Father. Sometimes I think that God is desperate for people to pray prayers that only he can meet. Like, you know, those audacious, like, if you don't come through God, I'm going to fail kind of prayers. Like, I honestly think that those prayers excite God because he finally gets to show off a little bit. When you pray, come to God as his child. Like, this is the only identity Jesus starts out with in a prayer. This is how you should pray as God's child. This is how God desires that you should come. Let himself, let him prove that he is faithful. And then let him prove that he is present. The second part of this prayer that Jesus is teaching us how to pray is in heaven. So he says, our father in heaven. When we hear in heaven, I know that we think far away, like above, higher than. And honestly, God feels like that sometimes when we pray. And I know when I was younger, I, re I would remember teachers trying to explain to me the Holy Spirit. And they'd say, Jesus had to leave 
because it's better now. We have the Holy Spirit with us everywhere we go. Isn't it better than having Jesus with us, like one person? And I was like, no, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. As a kid, I was very spirited. And I'll be, I would be livid. I was like, I would much rather have Jesus with me incarnate, splitting puddles so I could walk through them. How cool would that be? Because there were so many times where it felt like he was in the heavens. He was far. He was above me. But what's beautiful is contextually in the Bible, God being known as God of heaven was not above and it was not far away. In heaven meant in our atmosphere. And we see this in the Old Testament proven time and time again. God speaks to Abraham out of the air. And he spoke to Jacob in the night and he spoke to Moses from a bush on the ground. And then when Jesus was baptized, it was a voice from the sky. God was not far all throughout scripture. So he is not far. So Jesus is teaching us in prayer. He's saying, God is your father. And he is the atmosphere around you. He's closer than the air that you breathe. Paul says in Acts 17 that God is not far from anyone, for he's everywhere. In fact, it's in God that we live and move and have our being. And in Colossians, it says that God created everything and he's outside of everything. And yet he's everywhere. And yet everything exists, exists in him. Jesus is teaching us here how to come to God. And if we miss these two characteristics right at the start of this prayer, I think that we're missing God. He is our father and he is here now. Like he is our ever present father in the heavens, in the atmosphere, everywhere. So let those two truths rest in your hearts tonight. I don't know where you are on this spectrum of father or fatherlessness, but we've all been affected. God is your father and he is near and he wants to reveal himself to you in that way. So we're going to sing and we're going to pray together and we're going to come to God as his children. And I just hope that you know that he is in your midst, in your room right now, wanting to meet with you, wanting to reveal himself to you in a fresh way. He is close and he is near to you. Thanks for listening to the SYA podcast. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at wearesya.com.